Welcome to What's the Hook with Diane and Andy. It is December 15th. Oh my God, Andy, we're in the middle of December already. Where has the time gone? I don't know. It flies. Lots of stuff happening in the streaming TV world. And I think something that is uh, top of mind for Andy and I, Andy, let's talk about HBO Max. Um, because you brought this up and you you made some great points. Uh, take it away. Yeah, there's been a lot of um, coverage of the fact that um, Warner Brothers Discovery, which now owns HBO Max, is removing quite a bit of content from its platform. And what's unusual about this is it's not stuff that they necessarily licensed. It's stuff that they actually created. And some of it, I think, they actually own. So it's a little bit unusual for them to be removing content that, you know, they have the rights to and you know it just goes back to the fact that when discovery took on this company they went into a significant amount of debt and then the situation has gotten a little bit worse because um advertising spending across the board is down and and just in general the streaming services have been really hit by um the stock market kind of devaluing them so Anyway, it sounds like, you know, unfortunately, HBO, which has been passed around by many corporate overlords over the years, has ended up with yet another one that isn't necessarily, in my opinion, you know, looking out for its best interests, but just trying to, you know, extract as much money as they can. So they've removed some shows that I thought were really surprising, like Westworld, which is really one of their technical shows. Everybody was surprised at Westworld. Everyone. Because that show has a devout following, and yeah. there were some who like wanted to catch up on it. So yeah, and there were some um, other really good ones that didn't that never got that much attention, but that I really liked. Like Mrs. Fletcher was a really cool little one season show with um, Catherine Hahn that Catherine Hahn, I yes should have should have gotten more attention than it did. Another one I love that the critics destroyed was called here and now which was an ellen ball show and that's been removed and then my favorite is um of of the ones that they're removing that actually really bums me out is at home with amy sedaris which is a really funny inventive just quirky quirky show that that really showcases amy sedaris is just off the wall humor it's like basically like a martha stewart home type show but just set in an alternate universe that's way funnier and, and more quirky and has like amazing um you know guest stars like Justin Theroux and just a bunch of cool people that came through. So anyway that one in particular really really hurt me to see. And then it sounds like they're developing um another ad supported platform, which again kind of goes to one of my my you know pet peeves where you know Amazon, which has Prime video, then created Freebie, which is you know an ad supported platform, but you can't opt out of the ads. So it's like, they're kind of cheapening the brands by creating these secondary uh, streaming platforms where you're forced to watch the ads. And it sounds like that's the plan with some of these shows is to create another, it's for discovery Warner, Warner brothers discovery to create another platform where you're forced to watch ads. So anyway, yeah. we're not thrilled about that over here. And then of course, one of our favorites minks, uh, favorite yes. shows of last year, Minx, you know, which is which was almost done with season two production, got kind of canceled, and then they're shopping it around. But hopefully, that'll end up somewhere else. There, there is news. They are finishing season two. They had one week left to go. They are finishing production on season two. 
And Lionsgate, it's a Lionsgate show, and Lionsgate is looking to place the show somewhere else. So let's just put out some good vibes for them that the that a deal makes and they can move the show somewhere else because Minx is a really wonderful show. But yeah, titles like um, Love of Life, um, they're, oh, yeah. they're pulling a lot of titles and it's part, part so they don't have to pay taxes, they don't have to pay residuals. And certain, like Westworld, reason Westworld, yes, it was surprising, but evidently by pulling that show, they will save a lot of money like over several years. So yeah. I just kind of, well, I was talking about this with, well, I was talking about it with Joe Adalian, who wrote a really good piece for Vulture about this specifically. And I said, look, the thing I don't like is that it really makes David Zaslav look like he really doesn't give a shit about talent. That is because right. it's just not talent friendly. He doesn't. I, I mean, it's just, it's simply, that's the truth. Yeah. Well, I understand it's show business, not show friends. And it, it is all about the bottom line. I get that, but I feel like maybe you bought the wrong company. And 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 Joe said to me, like, look, if they didn't buy it, someone else would. And these things would happen. It's because of what's happening in the economy. And I suppose so. It just it makes me sad. I guess it just yeah. makes me sad. It's, it's sad. It's it's no good for the consumer. That's for sure. That's the truth. That's the truth. It's a, it's a net um, negative for those of us for TV watchers. But yeah, we'll, we'll have we'll to see how it plays exactly. out. And hopefully, some of these shows end up somewhere else without that don't require another subscription. Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Um, speaking of TV, we loved. We we both. I think we both loved the White Lotus finale. Yes. Oh my God! Yeah, because I know I did. Totally. Yeah. I definitely felt satisfied with the way I won't say all of the stories resolved because, you know, in true Mike White fashion, he doesn't like to tell you everything. Like we don't really know if when Daphne and Ethan went on their walk, we don't really know everything that happened between them, but we can speculate just like we don't know what really happened between Cameron and Harper. You know, they were flirting and having drinks, you know, and they, they went back to her room, you know, but do, do we know what really happened? The only thing we do know definitively is what happened to Tanya on the boat with, uh, with Quentin and the group. Oh, of poor, poor Tanya. Poor Tanya. She oh. had a rough, she had a rough end. Very rough, but spectacular. So I have to, I have to give <laughs> up for that. Because it was really fabulous. And, you know, bless Jennifer Coolidge. She's just such a gift. You know, wherever she shows up, she, she's wonderful. And, and maybe the ghost of Tanya will haunt season three. Maybe we can just hope for that. I don't know. Um, but what I also really loved, and which the internet also really loved, was the two, young, Mia and Lucia, the two young girls, just sort of dancing off at the end down a street in Sicily who were both uh, enriched financially and job-wise. Yes. And, professionally. <laughs> yeah. and that yeah. to me was so lovely and so uh, very rewarding because, you know, I really rooted for them. I don't know about you, but I really rooted for both of them and I love them. 
And yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, she conned Albie out of fifty grand, but uh, good for her, I suppose. Very enterprising. <laughs> and, and then Albie, kind of a sitting duck. And then Albie gave her the money after his father said to him, "Do you, do you want to be somebody's mark?" And it was like, wow, there's yeah, yeah. a lot of that going on this season. Cause you know, Quentin was basically trying to get Tanya's money. So yeah. Con men. Oof. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. Cause you know, no, you know, like pretty much any of these storylines could have ended in murder, basically the way that the show was set up. It was like, uh, it's anybody's game right now. Who's going to die. And then, um, it was not as, and I was like, well, what if like somebody from each of these groups ends up getting murdered? But it wasn't like that at all. It was really, you know, the evil gaze, uh, Quentin taking uh, Tanya on a boat and, and you know, having big plans to off her. Uh, and and he didn't quite, yes. it didn't quite work out the way he wanted. Not at all. Not at all. But then all. unfortunately, Tanya didn't quite get out alive either. So... <sighs> It was pretty just, rough. Yeah, it was sad. It was sad to see her go, but again, a spectacular end. So, you know, cheers to everyone involved. I really love this season. You know, some people just think all of the people are hateable and can't stand watching them. And hey, to each his own. But boy. I love this season so much more than the first season. I I just thought it was, uh, it just was so much fun. I I definitely thought it was interesting because this was more about sexual politics. And yeah. I got really mad when people were calling Mia and Lucia hookers because they weren't hookers. They were young women who knew their sexual value and they had real sexual agency. And that's what it was more about. And I'm like, I think you got to be careful when you're using, oh, first of all, I don't know that we should really be using the term hooker in 2022. I think sex worker well, might be, I didn't hear anybody it. say the word hooker. I think. Oh, I mean, they did. They used it okay. in the show as well. Cameron. Oh, okay. okay you know, they had right, a couple right, times. Right. And F. Burry Abraham's character, they're hookers. And then Cameron, they're hookers. You know, da da da, whatever. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah. In the show. So, okay. Yeah. But I've also seen just commentary in various like articles or tweets or whatever. And it's like, no, they're not really. You know. Well, I mean, I could, I could make the argument that. Uh, you know, a, a prostitute provides a service in exchange for money, and right. and and Lucia didn't even pro- wait. Sorry, which one ended up? It's with Lucia. The, it's uh, Lucia. Lucia didn't even really provide the service. She just con. She was more of a con artist than a true prostitute because she just. Oh, but Lucia had sex. But so, they'd have sex. Yeah. Alone. So I don't know. I I don't I don't feel like I mean they were they were definitely ethically challenged and that's okay i mean is that okay i don't know they, they were I don't even, like i disagree i disagree i think they both okay. i think they both knew they had talents and that the talents could be valuable monetarily mia did not want to have sex with anyone because she was getting over a breakup with her last boyfriend. yeah and she's different she and, i she, uh, no, she didn't lucia, really take advantage of anybody to that extent that lucia to me, Lucia was very um, transactional, smart. She's a girl with a plan. She wants to own her own dress shop. She knows what she wants. So I was more impressed. I did not think of her as, 
I didn't think of her as a sex worker and I didn't think of her as a hooker. But I don't think there's anything bad about sex workers or prostitutes. And, and there's a, oh, there's no. supposed to be a fair exchange for money. And, and, and yeah. in this situation, there wasn't. She ended up like, but on the other hand, Albie was a mar and oh. he could afford to lose the money. And it was his dad's yeah. money anyway. So it's not like I don't feel bad for him at all. But in a way, it's like she was more of a con artist than a sex worker. Yeah. for So for season three, Mike White, I guess, made a comment that he might want to, might, might, nothing definite, want to set it somewhere like in Asia or something and to talk about uh, religion or spirituality or, you know, there's nothing definite, of course. Who knows? It sounded like very, uh, it sounded like maybe Japan or Bali, perhaps. Uh, Maybe. Yeah, from those comments, that's what I was guessing. A lot of people heard um, Cameron's comment at the last dinner about reuniting the next year in the Maldives, but I... Oh, that, that doesn't yeah. really line up with with um, Mike White's comments. So I, I think for the new season, he'll do the same thing: clean slate, new people, new bunch, mm-hmm. which it should be. Because I I feel well, like what do you think there might be a carryover character since we had you know Tanya's character carryover? Like I'd be curious to see maybe Portia or maybe I don't know. So maybe there is like one carryover. There could be anything's possible at the White Road. Yeah. Um, it's I anybody's have- guess. I'll tell you, I wouldn't mind one bit. Um, and speaking of sexual agency and, and power, this week's Fleischman is in Trouble is a really pivotal episode. And I mean, they're all beautifully written. I really love this ep- this week's episode, though, because we learn more about Libby, Lizzie Kaplan's character. And she talks about a time in her life when she didn't realize how much power she had and and how she gave it away so easily. It's just wonderful. And it's also, there's also a great, there's a couple of great party scenes in this episode. Um, if you're not watching this show, it's it's beautiful and thoughtful. And yes, it's about a marriage falling apart, but it's a lot, it's about a lot more than that. And it's, it's really artful writing and storytelling and the performances are very moving. Andy, did you get to see this week's episode yet or no? I have not seen this okay, week's I episode thought, yet. Yeah. It just dropped today. So it's boy, oh boy. The, I mean, just really good, really good stuff. Yeah. And there is I I, can't no, wait. Spo- no spoilers because there is a pivotal moment at the end of the episode as well, but I'm not, I'm not going to talk about that because I don't want to ruin anything. Um, and, I think- well, and Diane, you're burying the lead here, which is who you had oh. a conversation this week with the creators of the show. With Taffy Brodesser Apner, who adapted her book and is uh, an executive producer and showrunner, and Sarah Timmerman, another one of the executive producers on the show. We had a great chat, and I think we're going to share that with you guys next week. Because this week, oh, okay, here's the tease. This week, (laughs) I had a wonderful chat with Matt Rogers, who you know from, he has a fabulous Christmas special on Showtime right now called Have You Heard of Christmas? And he was also fantastic in Fire Island. And Andy and I loved him in I Love That For You, the Showtime series that I would hope will get a pickup, but I don't think it's going to happen. 
Um, but anyway, we had like a 15 minute chat that was just pure gold. He's such and I was a- heartbroken that I couldn't be there because I was working an event and I couldn't step away. And I was so jealous, but I'm so glad that you got to talk to him. And this he's, yeah, happened. we just absolutely love him. He's, he's had such a great year. This is what happens when you are so in demand, Andy. You are so Ugh, in demand everywhere you go. But yes, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna put that. Um, you can listen to that at the end of this episode, uh, because gosh, he's just he's so lovely. And I literally said to him, "Please come back anytime. You are welcome anytime." Um, Andy, we also watched this week. Welcome to Chippendales, and wow, is that series ratcheting up the tension and doing it yeah. in a really really effective way because this week's episode like is about the opening of the new york chippendales which is under uh nick's supervision that's murray bartlett's character honestly i'm gonna say it right now i think murray bartlett's gonna get another emmy nomination and depending on the field he he could win for this role because geez they're giving great stuff it's amazing. I've been traveling and going to some holiday parties over the past week or two. And um, it's amazing the amount of people who, when talking about The White Lotus, specifically said, I like this new season, but God, I miss Murray Bartlett and his character. And it was just this cross-section of people that mentioned it to me. And I just thought that's so interesting that, you know, despite how riveting, like, I thought this, this season was... Murray Bartlett just has left such a mark um, on, on White Lotus in particular, but now in in this Chip in Welcome to Chippendales. Do you do you tell them they need to watch Welcome to Chippendales because he's great? Oh in my that? gosh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah. And it has yeah. the Ed so bonus. Is all- now, um, Andrew Rannells is in the series, right? Oh yeah, we Nick's, love some Andrew Rannells too. As Nick's lover. And, and it's well, just really cool to see these gay actors getting such media roles and um, just getting to work consistently. And great. I mean, yeah, that, that's that's nice and very refreshing. But it, these episodes are very tightly written. And Kamal Nanjani, you know, if you know him from like Silicon Valley or just watching him do stand up or, or anything like that. It is, it's kind of a revelation to see him in Welcome it's to kind of, Yeah, it's kind of manager. jarring. He is um, very tightly wound and he is, he has this seething anger in the character. Yes. That is He's just, become a little bit like menacing at this point. Very, very. I mean, I, yeah, I, I actually, yeah, right. I actually did not know how the story ended until I think in the last few days I Googled it to learn how this all goes down and oh my god yeah we're in okay, for I, like I have some not fireworks over the next few seasons or few episodes next few episodes i have not so don't tell me but i'm sure it can't end well because there's just too much you can tell already it's just ominous as all get out um yeah yeah the other wonderful things i don't know and if you got to see any of the saturday night live that Martin Short and Steve Martin hosted, but no, but I heard they were amazing. They were, they were, and it's like a masterclass just to watch them because, first of all, since they do so many shows together, like their road show and like Only Murders as well, but they just roast the shit out of each other, and it's always funny when they because it's literally as as the British say, they just 
take the piss out of each other. And they are so funny when they do that. And Selena Gomez popped in for the monologue, you know, and that was great. Um, it, they're just wonderful. So um, find it on, you know, you can find it on Peacock. Just a lot of wonderful stuff in there. And look, they may, they may be getting older, but man, they are so sharp. They're so, so sharp. And they know how to get a laugh. I mean, like I said, masterclass in comedy. The other <laughs> must-see comedy note, Seth Meyers did another classic, Day Drinking with Seth, and his guest this time, Lizzo. And at first, it seemed like Lizzo, Lizzo was determined not to laugh. So just watch <laughs> as the drunker Seth gets, he makes Lizzo laugh. It, there are so many great things in it. It is 14 minutes of just, just pure television greatness. Um, and that is on the Late Night with Seth Meyers YouTube channel. Um, so good. And, oh, and Lizzo just enjoys herself so much. And she's always pretty delightful. So. Yeah. And Andy, I just saw she's going to have like a live concert or something. December 31st on HBO Max. So. More, more Lizzo working hard, working hard for the money. Cool. Yeah. Good New Year's plans. Totally. Well, because I don't go anywhere. You know, who am I kidding? <laughs> um, let's see. The other, um, I tonight, um, the 15th, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm mushy. I'm going to watch the Beauty and the Beast, a 30th celebration. It's like a musical celebration of Beauty and the Beast. There's going to be a mix of animation and live stuff. Josh Groban is going to be doing the singing part of the Beast. And her is also part of the musical celebration, which I think is really cool. So I'm probably going to be watching that. It's going to stream on Disney Plus, of course, after it airs on ABC tonight. Um, and then later this month, I'm also excited because... They did a live show of Encanto at the Hollywood Bowl. They did a concert with some of the talent from the film. So that's going to stream on Disney Plus, I think, December 28th. And I'm actually psyched. Like, I'll watch that because give me a musical and I'm a happy girl. Cute. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very nice. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, if you are a royal watcher, the addition, the second batch of Harry and Meghan episodes, three episodes, dropped today on Netflix. Andy is not interested, so we're going to move right along from that. I'm watching. <laughs> no, go ahead, Diane. Tell uh, the people. I know most people I, are. Well, I want people to know because people are interested and supposedly more of these sort of bombshellish revelations are in these three episodes and more about the cruelty within the family. Because I was watching like some of the segments on like morning television today and oof, what a mess. Families can be hard. Um, the other thing I really wanted to make sure to mention was the documentary Pelosi in the House, which is on HBO and HBO Max. It's a it's a, about Nancy Pelosi, and it's made by her daughter, Alexandra Pelosi, who is a documentary filmmaker and who's done a lot of good stuff for HBO. This is particularly good because not only is it a portrait of her mom, but it's a really interesting eye on where America is culturally right now. It's about an hour and 45 minutes and I highly recommend it. Um, it's really thoughtful. 
there's something she does stylistically that I found very, very interesting. When you watch her shoot her mom, of course, she's behind her mom a lot. So a lot of her shots of her mom are from the back. And I was like, can you imagine over the years, like you're documenting your mom and you're always in, in the back. And the other, thing, the other thing to know is she was with her mom on January 6th at the Capitol when oh. the coup attempt happened and when the crazies got in. Very, very interesting. So she documented a lot. So that is Pelosi in the House on HBO and on HBO Max. Um, and Andy, I don't, how much are you pay, paying attention to award season nominations? You know, I am. I, um, I, I'm trying to watch as many of the movies as I can. They're starting to show up on streaming now. So I actually just um, started last night. Yeah, starting to. Banshees of Inisherin is on HBO Max now. I um, have watched most of that. It's phenomenal. I need to finish it today. I fell asleep watching it, but not because it's boring, just because it was late. Um, that yeah, one's great. Yeah. And then everything, every everything, everywhere. Oh God, everyone, everything, everywhere. Everything now, everywhere, later, all at once. At once on that one. That's on Showtime now. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I I was oh, and then of course Elvis has been on um, yes. HBO Max for a while. But yeah. they're, you know, I'm I'm dying to get out there and see some more that haven't come to streaming yet. So, um, what do we think of the Golden Globes? The Glo Golden Globe nominations were here's the thing. Were very think, safe. Yeah, pretty much. And I think it's they do that because you know they just want everyone to come to the ceremony. And then they also um, hired they they they're having Gerard Carmichael um, host the show, which I was like, okay, yeah. so. I think we yeah, can file this under anything can happen with Gerard as the host. So um, if you want to find all these different critics lists, because the LA film critics, New York film critics, Hollywood critics association, AFI, the Boston critics, critics choice and golden globes. There's so many lists. It's all swimming in my head now, but good places. <laughs> to to those lists variety has a great award circuit kind of online central THR, of course, and GoldDerby.com. If you want to compare and contrast nominations, Gold Derby does a really good job of that. So I want to give credit where credit is due. Um, Andy, you're a Yellow Jackets fan, right? Of course. Oh, my gosh. So we're like a few months away from season two dropping. Showtime um, announced that they've already ordered a third season. Awesome. Which is, yeah, which is really great. Nice thing to do for the fans. Uh, so, you know, get comfortable. Watch the show. If you were thinking, did you want to watch it? Go ahead. Watch. Binge it. Um, there's also a new National Treasure series on Disney Plus, which I have not sampled yet, but I'm going to check it out this weekend. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And then in other award show news, Trevor Noah is doing a stand-up tour, but he announced today that he's going to host the Grammys again, which is pretty cool. Oh, love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he did a great job last year. He was fantastic. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I believe, I believe Jimmy Kimmel is going to return and host the Oscars. I think. I think I read that somewhere. 
I might have to double check that. Might have to Google that again to be sure. <laughs> um, what else? I've been watching screeners because now, you know, we're getting screeners for stuff that's coming out after the new year, like January, February, March. There's so much great stuff coming down the pike. Um, but I, too, would like to see some Oscar contending movies. That would be nice. Or Golden I, Globe. I saw... Um... Triangle of Sadness on a plane last week. And I saw that that's nominated by the Golden Globes. That is such a Golden Globe thing to do is to nominate that movie. It's 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 a it's a fun movie. It's totally that shit. Um I heard. I would be shocked if it was nominated for an Oscar. Uh we'll see. We'll see. Anything is possible. Oh, Andy. We forgot. We both watched some of the recruit. No, Noah Centineo's new show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. That is dropping tomorrow. Yeah, that airs tomorrow. Yeah, Friday. Yep, sorry, Friday the sixteenth. I don't know about you, but um, I didn't quite buy him as a spy. I mean, he's fun to watch, and he's clearly game I mean, to do anything. Yeah, I don't buy anything about this show. It is about <laughs> as lightweight and silly and not serious and not realistic as you can get. It is fun. And I kind of, I mean, he's fun to watch and, and the show is fun, but it's like, it's featherweight. So it's, it's, it's hard to take. I mean, not even that it's trying to be super serious, but it's like hard to take even at the level it's presenting itself as. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a silly show. Uh, the showrunner, I think, uh, is Alexi Hawley, who did, I believe, The Rookie, the Nathan Fillion show. So I got to watch more of it. I think I watched maybe two episodes. And I was like, okay, I kind of don't buy him. The other screeners, <laughs> of course, that I fell into, I've been watching the Emily in Paris um, screeners because I adore that show. And um, that's going to be dropping, like, December 23rd. And... That show just also got an order for another season, you know? So it's like, the, you know, Netflix must love it. Um, all I can think is more fashion. I What I love is that they're giving other characters screen time. Particularly, I love Ashley Park's character, Mindy. So I'm really happy. There's a lot of Mindy in this coming season of Emily in Paris, and I really love her. So looking forward to that. Um, also, I want to make sure people know, Yellowstone fans, this Sunday, December 18th, on Paramount Plus, 1923 premieres, which is another show in the Yellowstone family. And this is the one that stars Harrison Ford and Helen Mirren. And it's the next installment of the Dutton family origin story. Um, boy, oh boy, the two of them are fantastic. I just watched a screener this morning of the first episode and it's got sort of all the show's trademarks, you know, all the show's formula. There's a lot of violence, you know, gruff Western men and the women who love them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boy, there's some, you know, it's worth watching for Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford. I, I, I cannot argue with that. So um, anything else you're looking forward to watching? Uh, I'm getting caught up on Slow Horses on uh, Apple TV Plus. So I just I I, I had not watched the um, all of the first season, so I finished that and I just started the second season, and I'm really enjoying that. 
but I've only watched maybe one or two of the new season, but that just continues to be a really fun. I mean, that compared, compared with uh, the recruit with, you know, Noah Centineo, it's like, it's a lot more hefty and and has a lot more to it. I get a lot more knowledge about the spy game. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, and then another one, I don't know if you've watched this or not yet, but I started watching Three Pines on Prime Video. I have not, but I'm interested because I saw that Alfred Molina's in it. Yeah, he's great. You know, he plays a a detective um, or an inspector, as he's called, who is kind of continually sent off into the Canadian, into a small town in the Canadian wilderness to investigate uh, murders. And it is really fun. And it's it's not a massive show. It doesn't look like it has a massive budget, and it's um, you know, but it's it's really well done and well acted, and and it's uh, exposing. It's bringing to light issues around um, murders of indigenous women, and you know, just kind of has a lot of fun small town politics. And uh, anyway, I'm really enjoying it. The one that I watched on Prime Video was the Riches. Oh, sorry, just Riches. Which oh, right. is yeah. like a a perfectly done like melodrama about a British family where the patriarch dies. He owns this beauty empire, this beauty product empire. And there's a fight between the siblings of who's going to run it and between the mother and stepmother. Oh, it's so well done. I was trying to get the showrunner to, you know, come talk, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think I got, I think I got a, a polite decline on that interview request, <laughs> but it is six episodes on prime video. It's called riches and it is fantastic. I, I just, okay, I'm going to have to check that out. I burned through the episodes. I thought it was so good. It's like black dynasty. It's great. It's absolutely great. Um, I think, boy, oh boy. Uh, I, I believe that's all I've got for for now. Um, I think again, so too. We have a lovely, lovely chat with Matt Rogers. Please, oh please, it will it will make you smile. I hope I hope everybody sticks around to listen to that. Um, Andy and I will be back next week, but yeah. I'm not going to promise a top ten list, Andy, because I can't pick ten shows. But I think. <laughs> I think we could pick like maybe shows we couldn't live without this year. And I, I wrote it. a top 10 list. I just don't know. It's like, I, I ended up with like 40 shows and <laughs> it was, was real tricky. So I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a public, I don't know if I'm going to share it with the greater universe or not, but um, yeah, we should definitely do some kind of year end wrap up. We will do that. We will do that. And if you have been enjoying the show, Please like and subscribe, tell some friends. You know, we are always trying to get more folks to listen. We really appreciate you. Uh, we want to know you're out there. We're always happy to get some feedback as well. Visit our Facebook page, the What's the Hook Facebook page. Um, you can tweet us. I'm at the Surf Report. Andy is at Seriously Andy. Um, you know, we just really appreciate you listening. You know, we're always trying to give you more stuff, more good stuff uh, to watch, to listen to, all of it. Um, In the meantime, Andy, anything else? Because that's a wrap for me. That's, I'm good. Okay. Um, Until next week, everyone, 
uh, if you're in LA, stay warm because it's nippy out there. And everyone else as cold in LA as it was in New York last week. That is crazy. That is crazy. That's supposed to happen. (laughs) The laws of nature are askew. Um, Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. Hope your holidays are going well, and we'll talk to you next week. Um, hi everyone. Welcome to What's the Hook. Oh, a very special guest today. And I'm very excited about this one. He's a holiday treat. He's a podcast host, a, a co-host of Las Culturistas with Bo and Yang. He was in the fabulously funny Hulu film, Fire Island. Um, he was in, he was so wonderful in Showtime's I Love That For You. A great, great show. And if you have the Showtime Anywhere app, please watch that show. It's really, really good. And now he has his own Christmas special on Showtime. And it's, you know, I'm Jewish, but it's everything and more. To paraphrase a Kenya Moore Real Housewives tagline, he is the man, he is the moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Rogers. I mean, just to be mentioned in the same breath as Kenya Moore, I mean, I feel Gone with the Wind fabulous. I am am absolutely thrilled now, Diane. Thank you so much. Matt, if I weren't sitting down, I would twirl. (laughs) Twirl on him. I honestly have to say, like, before I go on stage every night for my tour, because I'm touring the show, too, I remind myself to twirl on him. And it works every time. There you go. (laughs) Matt, if we had more than 15 minutes, I would all we would talk about is Bravo. I get I it. Do that right now because I really enjoyed you on Watch What Happens Live. Thank you. And if for any reason Andy Cohen cannot fulfill his hosting duties, you know, mm-hmm. perhaps called away on some daddy-related errand, <laughs> I think they need to come to you to pitch Listen, in as a guest host. I have to say, I think that he, no one's better than Andy, but I will say sure. that I definitely... I definitely wait in the waters all the doodah day of the Bravo universe. And so if there was ever a, an emergency, I mean, swoop me in there and I could, I could handle it. Oh, and listen, he is, he is a daddy now. He's, his priorities have now shifted. He can't just, you know, he's got kids. So I don't have any kids. I'm as childless as they come. So I'm a veil. Um, and I just, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it could be a good idea. I was really, really amused. The Christmas special is just wonderful. And I love that you did some sketches as yep. well as the fabulous musical numbers. I had no idea just how good your your singing voice was. Thank so, you so much. I'm always discovering new new talents about you, Matt. Well, you know, I guess this was my opportunity to sort of like uh, really, if they're going to give you an hour that's all to yourself, like you want to show off what you can do. Because, you know, I think that maybe some people might know me um, from my podcast, Las Culturistas, like you mentioned, or from the roles that you mentioned that I was lucky enough to play this this year in Fire Island, and I love that for you. And amongst my other things, I was a voice role on Q Force on Netflix, and I've hosted some shows. And you know, I think this was an opportunity to show what I'm capable of because it's almost like an audition for the industry in other ways. You know what I mean? Like, so they gave me an hour. I said, let's twirl on them. You know, let's get the voice together. <laughs> Let's get the outfit together. Let's beat the face. Oh, oh, you know, oh, let's. <laughs> we're going to talk about the fashion. Just, I see. I, I, can't, I can't talk fast enough. The first, <laughs> the first reaction when I watched the screener of the special was, now you, I, I don't know if you'll get this reference, but I just watched. I went. He's an entertainer. He's an, uh, he's an entertainer. entertainer. 
You know, I, that's when I was little. Um, I I always felt like a like an older person than I than I really was because people would be like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I would say, "An entertainer." You know what I mean? Like a little like uh, yeah, like like sort yeah, of a little. Are. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it ended up that way, but I felt like Nathan Lane. You know what I mean? Like when I was little, I was like, I, without knowing, I was sort of like, you know, tipping into ultimate gay language. I was like, I want to be an entertainer. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> like a child. The minute you enter in that fabulous silver suit in the thank special, you. all I could think was, if the Rat Pack was going today, they would oh, Matt Rogers in a heartbeat and they would bring him to Vegas and never let him leave. You know, I hope that they would have accepted it as people as gay as me in the Rat Pack. But also, you know what? That's having swag. That's saying, you know what? I don't care what you think about me. I'm here. I'm queer. I'm going to smoke a cigar and maybe cough a little bit, but with the best of them. I feel, um, you know, gay, gay, not gay, whatever. I feel it's just that the way you look like you're just thriving, Oh, and thank just you. Enjoy yourself so much. And it really it was one of the best nights of my life. It really was. I mean, recording that special and taping that at like, you know, the iconic Joe's pub. You know, it was amazing. It, it was really like a dream come true. Every element of it. I mean, not only just, you know, uh being able to see this project through that I've done for years. I mean, I started doing this in 2017 with Henry Kapersky, who accompanies wow. me so on talented. stage. So talented. He's amazing. He really is amazing, and it doesn't stop there. You know what I mean? Like he's worked with so many people, but you know, if you enjoy the music in this at all, that is due to him. Um, but, you know, not only just that, like that I got to stand up there with my actual collaborator on all these numbers, of course, but to be at Joe's Pub, to be in New York, where I really came of age as a comedian, as an entertainer, as a performer in so many ways, like and then to leave that night feeling like I couldn't have done it better really was um a very special moment. And then also it didn't hurt that, you know, I caught myself in the mirror a couple of times and I was like, okay, we look all right. <laughs> oh, you looked, you looked so sharp. Just, Thank you. Whether it was the silver suit or even in the sketches, the carefully oh, coordinated colors, you know, the color palette was fantastic. Who um, helped style you for the special? Well, I'm happy you asked. I was styled by Michael Fisher. He's an amazing, uh, you know, men's stylist. He dresses uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, Sebastian Stan, Hugh Jackman. He dresses Bowen Yang. And so I met him actually earlier in the year when I was working with another stylist and um, I, something happened where something some outfit I was supposed to be given fell through. And so Michael sort of came through at the last minute because I was doing an appearance on The View with Bowen Yang. And um, I've worked with him ever since. He's just so wow. good. Yeah. If I'm remembering correctly, was it the New York Film Critics? And you wore a leather suit, a black leather suit? <laughs> no, I don't think so. But um, I, 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 I've worn some good stuff. I wore, a black, I wore a black leather jacket to the Out 100. Oh. And then to the Gotham Awards, I That's wore it. this incredible, like sort of like, it almost was like, it almost was like shark. It was like, it looked like it had been struck by lightning in a way. It was like a gray suit that had this like very cool detail where it photographed really well when the light hit it. It looked like I was being struck by lightning in a way. And I absolutely love it. My favorite thing I ever wore. It looked amazing. That was him. Thank you so much. I'm lucky. Thank you so much. I mean, well, first of all, congrats to the lighting crew on the Gotham's red carpet. They're really doing everyone some favors. Um, but also, um, yeah, Michael always dresses me amazing. And that was a Versace suit that I wore in the um, in the special, which was like 
so cool, you know, to know that like it was it was realized enough, like this character that I'm playing that wants to be the Prince of Christmas, like actually was dressed in the very best. You know what I mean? It was oh. just great. It was a dream come true on every level, Diane. Outshining every Christmas tree in the joint. And there were many in Joe's Pub. Well, I don't know about all that, but thank you. The, uh, didn't, didn't Joe's Pub look amazing? They did an amazing job. Beautiful. It looked beautiful. That's another thing. To me, I'm just a big Broadway fan. And I, I have not been to New York in a while and I miss it, but there is really nothing like going to see live theater. Oh no, nothing. Great drama or a musical or, mm-hmm. or, you know, a good cabaret act because, absolutely. you know, I'm, I'm old. And when I was younger, my mother took me to see Bobby Short at the car. Oh, wow. And I mean, that was, even then I realized, wow, he's a legend, you know? Yeah. You know what, what some of my direct, uh, um, influences for this special are actually Sandra Bernhard. Um, I get it. You know, so Sandra Bernhard was one of the, the early comedy albums. It's actually I'm Still Here, Damn It. Um, and she was just so alive and musical and dangerous in it. And I really connected with that as a young, young kid, probably before I even really understood a lot of what she was talking about um, in the special. But it was like I was being told what my sense of humor was by this woman, you know, just like streaming her album on, I believe it was called Rhapsody. It was like the streaming. Uh, oh, okay. That I had, and it was years ago, but it was her, it was Margaret Cho. It was, you know, so yeah. many of those like, uh, you know, female standups. And when, when you say like the throwback vibe with the cabaret of it all, like that really is Sandra Bernhardt, like that very New York vibe. And we really wanted to call back to that um, in the shooting of it, in the cinematography. We wanted it to look like whiskey soaked and very classic so that it would contrast with the very modern humor. Right. So. And it did. And it did. And it works. And it's really it's all really enjoyable. Um, Thank just you so much. a quick suggestion for you. OK, this is way before your Sandra Bernhards, your Margaret Cho's. Okay. But if you ever have the chance, there's a DVD of Elaine Stritch's show at Liberty. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is yes. just absolute gold. She's another one. You know what I mean? Like, just this idea that, like, you know, as people that weren't, like, straight-up stand-ups, they were so much more than that. Like, the, you weren't the surprised character. when they would break into song or play a character or like, go off on a tangent or say something you know, important that really didn't have a a joke, but that was more just like an instinct. Like it was these people that felt alive enough on stage, probably because when they were coming up, they didn't see someone exactly like them doing it. You know what I mean? Like maybe Joan Rivers was one of the only ones that those women could really see in their future image. I remember when I was coming up, you know, I didn't see any gay comedians on stage doing what I would ultimately end up doing. Like I think now the kids have like, my generation of people and then like people that are just one generation up that have broken through more and are now more visible because, you know, people are paying them more respect for what they've always done. Um, But for me, it was not easy to find people that I identified with in terms of identity um, that were on stage. And I didn't necessarily need that to become a developed comedian, but I think it would have been more encouraging. And I would have maybe started pursuing it a little bit earlier had I seen that it was a viable career option for me, because like I said, I'm influenced by all of these women and then all of the standups that were very popular when I was younger, just because they were like Dane Cook was extremely popular. You know what I mean? Like, um, exactly. and like, 
Well, you know what? Like he has an amazing energy and I liked a lot of his jokes, but no, what did I see myself in what he did? No. But yeah. but many people did. I and and I said, I guess that's that's to my point is like so many of my straight male friends had him up on stage, like emulating an energy and an identity that they intrinsically understood. I did not have that. And that's different now than it is then. Were you like a digital native? When you were growing no. up, when did, because well, I, I think there's a yeah. difference. I think there's a difference when the youngsters are digital natives. Yes. They have a whole online community. Yeah, I, so AOL started, yeah, AOL started when I was in like, I'm going to say like second or third grade. So like in that way, it was early enough where it was like I was getting on the internet, but the internet was so the wild west at that point. Like there were, it was when they, I think I was like, I got on the internet at like second grade. And then like, it was like fourth or fifth grade when they started to talk about parental controls. You know what I mean? Because that's when they started to understand what could happen on the internet. And I could tell you, like I was in some very interesting chat rooms when I was in like second or third grade with people who were very clearly adults. And, you know, it was real, it was, it it was crazy. I mean, like a totally unregulated new thing that was the internet, but ultimately like I did become very, um, adept at using it at an early age, but it wasn't something that I was always around because when I was born, obviously it wasn't a thing. These kids now, like they're born and they get an iPad put in their hands. That certainly was not my, that was not my experience, but early enough to see the dark and the opportune of the internet. You know what I mean? I get it. Um, well, I I will just say, since I only have a, this small, this all too short morsel of time with you, oh. I hope you just keep doing holiday specials. I don't care. Do an Easter special. Do, so, do something <laughs> for the Do something for the Jews. I'll, I'll help consult on it. You know, I have always said like this, this is a good holiday. Spe- this is a good Christmas special for Jews because it it both celebrates and drags Christmas. You know what I mean? Like I've had a few Jewish people tell me that this is their favorite Christmas special because they're like it pokes fun at like the monoculture capitalism of it. You know what I mean? Like we're all a little exhausted by it because we all have to. It feels like we all have to celebrate it in a way because the culture forces us to. You know what I mean? I used to feel that way. But now I especially since the pandemic. I just think, let people live. Let people right. enjoy things. Yes. If, if having a pretty tree is something you enjoy, go ahead. Do it. Please, enjoy do it. it. I'm not, you know what? I got other shit to do. 100%. Than judge you. Than, yeah. You know, just enjoy it. So yeah. it was, like I said, I didn't know what to expect when I watched the, the special. And it was just delightful. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. I worked very hard on it and it is my pride and joy to this day. So maybe will there'll be another holiday special. Maybe there'll be more specials. We'll see what happens from here. And I think my last question has to be, I know you are super busy. I know you're going to keep working and I want you to keep working. I'll watch anything you're in. But can I talk to you again about Bravo at some point? Yes, absolutely. I'll come back anytime. Please. This is just the beginning for you and I. Oh. Oh, my, my whole weekend is made. <laughs> my too. Matt, thank you for being on What's the Hook. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.